Hello, welcome to a new episode of Purple Politics, co-hosted by me, Sean Thompson. And me, Jay Stittleberg. I'm the elephant in the room. I'm the conservative voice here. And Jay? I'm the Democrat in the room. And we're looking forward to another exciting conversation about politics uh, at all levels. Right. How you doing, Sean? So far, so good. How about you, Jay? I'm, I'm good. Good. So, of course, Purple Politics is our hopefully weekly <clears throat> series where the blue and the red meet and, and discuss uh, relevant topics, current headlines, and see what conversation and resolutions can be made by the end of each episode. Sounds great. We've been doing good so far, I think. Thus far, no this fist fights. Not yet, but, you know... Hope springs eternal. Of course, Jay could probably clean my clock with a with a hard look. Uh, but last week's episode, if you've uh, if you haven't watched it yet, it was literally during the cast of uh, the castle storm. Sorry, the Capitol storming uh, that was going on. Uh, I myself, you know, not knowing what was going on, was probably treating it lightly. Uh, so I just want to put that kind of uh, mea culpa at the beginning of it. Those of you watching last episode, thinking maybe. Yeah, I wasn't taking it seriously at the time. At the time, I did not know how serious it was. It's going to be a major topic for us today. But first, we're going to talk local, then we'll go national, and then we'll hit on some other topics, too. So local, we have the Texas State Legislature about to hit a, a session. They did. They started today. So it is today. <clears throat> okay, that's what I thought. I they started sure at noon. And uh, I'm, I'm presuming that they've done everything and they're ready for a, a long winter's nap? Well, you know, I, I don't think they're done yet. Okay. Uh, they have elected a Speaker of the House. That's good. <clears throat> so uh, he's a Republican representative from the Beaumont area uh, who was pretty convincingly elected as the Speaker of the House with 143 votes. Nice. In the yay. So mm -hmm. uh, pretty, pretty, uh, quite a bit of bipartisanship in that election him so so we'll see we'll see how that goes but they have that out of the way that's always their first order of business well good uh, and of so. course so we did talk last week about um <clears throat> what this uh the the jurisdiction uh their agenda jay you pointed out that they actually were able to kind of preload some bills yeah. before the session so do you think they're going to hit the ground running with this well you know typically the first month all they really do is is they do file bills and they get themselves organized there's like i said they have to do some business at the beginning elect a speaker mm -hmm. uh to you know and everyone gets sworn in and the whole session starts at, at noon today which is what happened uh, but now this first month is typically i guess from a from a news perspective uh, is pretty quiet Mm -hmm. um, you know, there will be bill filing and, and, and this type of business that goes on. Uh, but from a newsworthy standpoint, you know, it, it, the, the first month, there probably isn't going to be a whole lot for us, I don't think, to talk about. Jay, do so. you feel or do you know if there's anything <clears throat> on this session's agenda that's just one of those, you know, big headline stories, you know, in the past we've had bathroom bills mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Is there anything up there that's, that's going to command the attention of a lot of people? Well, that's a great question. I think, uh, I mean, uh, some of the bills that have been already kind of, you know, uh, identified as those to watch, uh, you know, obviously some of them hit some hot topic issues like abortion and, mm -hmm. and those type of topics. Uh, I haven't seen anything about something like a bathroom bill. I haven't seen anything of that nature. Um, uh, we're going to see marijuana legalization uh, when it comes to medical and and personal, I think, mm -hmm. uh, which is not such a hot button issue, I don't think, but it'll be it certainly make for some interesting conversation. I think Medicaid expansion is going to be in the topic of discussion, mm -hmm. so I think that's going to be a big 
conversation that they have. Interesting. Um, obviously, public education funding, which is always you know kind of a top tier item. Uh, COVID, obviously, COVID handling of COVID and vaccines and those types of things. That's that's obviously on their agenda. Now, so, yeah, I would have expected <clears throat> hand in hand with COVID, uh, public education to be a top tier agenda item, because my sense from uh, take everything else out of the COVID scenario we have mm-hmm. here, to me, it showed that the uh, the education system was just not ready for such an event. <clears throat> And I think the physical schools were woefully unprepared, and to an extent, the uh, the staff and the administration, but the actual facilities themselves, woefully unprepared to handle what would happen if, mm-hmm. dot, dot, dot. And I think those ellipses have happened. Uh, I would have thought that that would be... Uh, I'd be introducing a bill right off the bat saying, we've got to get the facilities retrofit or the new facilities worked into it to have the infrastructure to handle at home and in-person schooling yeah i think it's a you know i think it's a big challenge right Uh, no matter uh, honestly i don't know even if it's when they attacked it right because obviously the way our legislature works there was no real way to attack it unless the governor called a special session right beforehand but now now that it's been here they've had a year to kind of chew it over yeah so i you know i think there's work to do and obviously there's pros and cons of you know in-person schooling versus virtual schooling and it really depends on each student individually and some (laughs) people can learn virtually some people can't some so I, i think there's a lot of challenges uh, that go into to how the schools handle these situations because, you know, I think one of the bigger issues, at least that, you know, I've seen not necessarily related to teaching of students, although it kind of does, but it's also how, how uh, school districts and schools get their money from the state because a lot of it's based on attendance and daily attendance and, and those types of things. And unfortunately, with uh, a lot of the schools being closed over the past several months and attendance has been... I think probably sporadic. I mean, we've <laughs> we've heard the stories about the, the lost students, the mm-hmm. students, you know, they've lost contact with a lot of these kids. Um, and, and so, again, I think there's all these challenges, not just with teaching our kids, which should be the number one uh, objective, but also, you know, obviously the issues with funding and how the funding occurs in this state and what it's based on and this circumstance we've been in, which is a circumstance that I hope once we get through this, I never see again in my lifetime. Right. Let's hope so, COVID twenty never hits. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and hand in hand with that, I mean, there are no easy topics, and unfortunately, I left my notes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do a quick search on because uh, I want to throw out a number here. Um. Yeah, and I want to make sure I have the, the the proper the proper number here. So, uh, well, yeah. I, I'll put it like this: um, along with the facilities not being able to being able to handle it, uh, there seem to be some. Let's throw all the spaghetti on the wall and see what what might work for this. Now, mm-hmm. if memory serves, there are approximately thirteen thousand school districts. Thirteen hundred. Is it thirteen hundred? Yeah, a little okay. less, a little less than thirteen. Okay, so it's thirteen hundred. I know there's a zero yep. there somewhere. So mm-hmm. thanks, somebody. But even so, thirteen hundred independent school districts, mm-hmm. i.e., they are independent of each other. Uh, now they may be beholden to their state legislature to an extent, but mm-hmm. of course, you know, you have your, your from your little one room uh, schoolhouse to your 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 integrated school there, sure. and of course, so no one was talking with each other on that because it just wasn't set up. Uh, and, and hand in hand 
with the with the thirteen hundred uh, school districts, um, each state handled its response to COVID differently. Sure. And so, how do you feel when COVID twenty hits? And I'm speaking, you know, in metaphors here. When the when, if and when the next big thing hits, that we're, we're able to handle this. That's a great question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I think that uh, I think there's lessons learned um, across the country mm-hmm. on on how this uh, has transpired and and how different organizations have handled it. Different in this case, school districts, if that's what we're talking about, handled it. I think the biggest problem that we've had, and we have it time and time again, and we have it within organizations, and we certainly have it in a circumstance like this, is communication, right? So how does, how does that information get uh, published, and, and how does it get shared so that it can be used um, amongst all those that would be interested in using it, right? I, I think that's where the breakdown and many things happen. I, you know, we've kind of talked about this already at the beginning we'll get to it when we get to the national but even you know we talk about the the, you know what happened at the capitol you know uh the security breakdown that happened and 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 i guarantee that uh in in a root cause analysis you're going to find communication is one of the key things that was missing right so Mm -hmm. so i think that's the struggle we have is that you know uh for whatever reason i don't know what it is we find it very difficult to learn from history and how to communicate with each other to make sure this important information gets disseminated first major right? agreement of the episode here i absolutely agree so with you so on i that. think that's a you know that's always a huge problem in anything we talk about like this and it's it's always a communication breakdown um and, and i think that if, if it were to happen you know let's say a year from now, after mm-hmm. things kind of calm down and we get through the initial like vaccinations and things are really kind of calming down and it happened again, I think we'd see some of the exact same things, unfortunately, happen because I, I just don't think people think about um, documenting uh, what they did, what the effects were, what was good, what was bad, uh, and then actually making sure that information could get disseminated and shared so that if something, God forbid, happens again, that would put us in a circumstance to need to, for especially with schools, do virtual, you know, at home or virtual mm-hmm. learning, that we actually took those lessons we learned and actually applied them so we didn't have those same shortfalls the next time. So I, I think it's a struggle. It is indeed, and it will be ongoing. Uh, this is the part of the broadcast where, of course, I tick off my own party in this. Um, it sounds funny coming from me since I pretty much talk for a living, but there's a lot of talk, uh, not as much action or at least uh, resolutions. Uh, much like with the uh, you know the ACA GOP had seven years to to say you know repeal and replace, repeal and replace. Well, there was nothing to replace it with, so there you know that seven years could have been better spent. My take on especially if if distance learning is going to be a new thing or like the new normal, mm-hmm. or if there is a COVID-20 or, or Sears or whatever the next thing is going to be, or a meteorite hitting <laughs> to where we're, you know, stuck at home, uh, there it hasn't been thought out. There are, and this is the number I was looking for, more than 50 million students in the United States of America. And never be, before in the history of this country, or at least the modern history, uh, has it become incumbent for a parent to be financially liable to the point of criminal activity if they don't spend extra money, i.e. Uh, internet, Wi-Fi, computers, and 
bandwidth mm -hmm. for, for each student. And truancy laws, by law, are still in effect. So if these students aren't showing up online, their parents can technically go to jail in certain aspects. So for the first time, parents are being told, you must pay money for the privilege of your child hmm. to go to school. And if you don't, you could go to jail. Now, of course, that's worst case scenario and yeah. stuff. And people say, well, you know, free laptops. 56 million students. Okay, who's going to provide the laptops? Well, it's it's not always about the laptop, right? Right. They can have they can have a laptop, but if they don't have the internet, it doesn't do them any good. But see, even with that, and here's my take on it. <laughs> it's, uh, let's say, you know, House A, they have a laptop. House B doesn't. That does not mean House A does not deserve their own student laptop, the same one that House B gets. So we're going to assume that every student, but at least let's cut it in half, 26, 27 million laptops, where are they? Then, of course, you have Wi-Fi, not just Wi-Fi, but broadband that's got to be able to handle the bandwidth yeah. for each student. And now, because um, the house, you may have one kid's 10 kids, and not all of them can hop on at the same time and if they the, have two hours of homework a night. And the, and the network they're using has to be able to handle that volume of traffic on it all the time, and especially Network. if it's video traffic, right? Like Zoom, so to speak. Right, exactly. And now let's take well, the parents that have to work. They yeah. just can't be at home during. So, of course, <laughs> what staggers me is we are hopefully in the final stretch of COVID-19's major ramifications. And there's not a single clear answer to this Yeah. of what right. I've been saying. This is what's been on my mind since, like, day one. Uh, when the first uh, education thing came, uh, came down, are we going to take the kids back or not? These yeah. are things that should be, if it's not on the Texas State Legislature's uh, top uh, page, it needs to be, and that's from me. Well, yeah, because, I mean, we can find, you know, how impactful it is when the schools aren't open, right? How, mm -hmm. how it impacts not just the student's life and the ability to learn, uh, but it impacts the parent's life. Because mm -hmm. if the parents, you know, if they're fortunate enough to have the opportunity to go to work, but they have young kids that cannot now go to school, so what are they supposed to do, right? Mm -hmm. Because, uh, you know, their kids may not be of age that they can be home by themselves. Exactly. And, and so how do you... Or they can be of the age where they shouldn't be home well, by themselves. <laughs> right. So so I, there's so many challenges here. Yeah. And, and, you know, school closures have a lot of ramifications on the entire and i've been keeping away from outlet. that aspect of it i don't want to bring in the you know mask no mask social distancing no so because I, i'm trying to i don't want to go down that rabbit hole with others with people going in well sure. you know but there are secondary and tertiary ramifications of this kind of lockdown oh for sure absolutely so, Texas State Legislature, get on it <laughs> if you haven't already. Uh, now, also locally, we want to talk COVID and Montgomery County. Because sure. I think Montgomery County uh, separates itself from Harris County in many levels. We are more rural, uh, more conservative, uh, but also more open when it comes to, to COVID. And, and there's some numbers. So, uh, if you watch, you know, I do a show on Mondays, uh, Woodlands on Air, where I actually give weekly COVID num numbers. I'm going to give the uh, numbers now and hey, tune into that show on Monday. Uh, it's live, it's around lunchtime. But as of today, January the 12th, which is when we're recording this, uh, these, are, these are the COVID numbers. So, there are currently 10,394 active cases of COVID 19 in Montgomery County. Uh, that is an increase of 723, sorry, 162 active cases. Uh, of total cases from last week to this week, 
increased by 723. Now, of the active cases, 79 are hospitalized. Now, these are not just uh, Montgomery County residents. These are people in Montgomery County hospitals. Uh, 15,651 have recovered from COVID-19. Uh, oh, since last week, the deaths have increased by two uh, to 192 uh, for a total uh, active case count of 31,822. Hospitalizations have gone up by three. Uh, recoveries have gone up by 111. And deaths, like I said, from last week to a few days ago, uh, there was a plus two, and then there's been no additional since. So those are the numbers. I think, do you have like the ones before that, or is that? Well, I just have the ones from the day before. So okay. I got it. So it, it's not much of a change from those, quite frankly. So now, once again, I think no easy comparisons, no easy answers. And this is where I think a lot of conversations stop. Someone tries to say, well, how many people have died from the flu? Well, this isn't the flu. And of course, people stop listening. Sure. Now, I can't help but point out that according to the CDC, the flu is miraculously stopped <laughs> at you know, 95% not there. Just It's a miracle. I, I still can't explain that. And I hope Dr. Sure. Fauci or WHO or CDC can let me know where the flu went. Um, It'd be good to know, I guess. So, but taking into account that COVID and the flu are two separate animals, and, and, and I get that. Um, also, the Montgomery County is, like I said, more rural. There, there are probably more armadillos than people, but uh, Montgomery County is growing. It is tremendously so. So, why mm. is with us being open and us having the Catfish Festival with ten thousand people showing up, and 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 arts festivals uh, and outdoor, you know, restaurants uh, at, at not full capacity, but close. We're, and I don't want to be blasé when I say this, only at 192 deaths where vast, vast majority of those had comorbidities. So comparing that to Harris County, what's causing the, the difference? Well, uh, I think I'd have to, you know, the one thing that would be interesting is I would like to, you know, I don't, I haven't kept track of Harris County's <laughs> numbers at all. I have... <clears throat> I haven't looked them up or, or compared percentages, right, because numbers on their basis don't really mean anything. At least to me, they don't. Uh, I like to see how, they're, uh, how the data is used to, to look at percentages over time or mm -hmm. uh, how it correlates to, you know, death rates or uh, those types of things. I mean, if you look at Montgomery County right now, I mean, our positivity rate, at least as reported, is 22%. Right. So that, that's pretty high. Yeah. Twenty. That means 22% of everyone that gets tested uh comes back positive. That's, so that's a fairly high number. It's higher than we'd certainly like it to be. Um, but again, I, I got to <clears throat> go to the, and again, I, I hate to do it. I hate to be that guy, but I, I'll take the bullet on this one. 192. Now I know that, um, for instance, well, that 190, suicide, the 192 does equate to about a 1.25% death rate, right? So, mm -hmm. so again, you know, you're looking at something that's 10 times more dangerous than the flu, mm -hmm. right? So, so again, we see, and, that, and that's a number that's been out there for, I think, quite a long time mm -hmm. with a typical death rate, right? So one-ish percent, mm -hmm. uh, depending, you know, in the overall population, right? This is not breaking down age groups or any of that kind of stuff. This Absolutely. is just looking at it as a whole. Mm -hmm. It's about one, a little over 1.2%. And so, and by the way, if everyone wants to know how I come up with numbers like that, like someone goes, well, how do you come up with 1.2%? Um, so I look at, I look at outcomes, Right. So so you talked about the numbers and we talked about the total number of cases, 31,800 and some change. Uh, I don't care about the number of total cases. 
Um, and this is why data reporting is so important when you try to look at, you know, utilizing those numbers to come up with numbers that mean something. Uh, because I look at outcomes. And so when we look at those numbers, uh, the numbers that matter to me are recoveries mm -hmm. and deaths, because those are known. Mm -hmm. And so I look at the knowns, and, and that is the outcome of what's going on based on if you look at it in perspective. So how do I come up with 1.22%? Well, I take the number of recoveries plus the number of deaths. That gives me the total number of cases that have a absolute outcome. Gotcha. They either recovered or they died. Okay. And then I take the deaths and divide it by the sum of those two numbers. That gives me the outcomes percentage of absolute knowns. Mm -hmm. We know we had this many deaths and this many recoveries, so I have an absolute. I know what those notes. Now those other, you know, those other so there might be some cases where uh, they've confirmed a case, but now they're trying to get in contact with those people and they can't. Mm -hmm. So they don't know the outcome. They have no clue what the outcome is. The outcome could have been good or bad. We don't know because we can't get a hold of anybody. Um, and then we have the active cases that are still out there that we still don't know the outcome yet. Those people may recover or they may die. We don't know. Uh, so I look to I like to look at the numbers where 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 it's an absolute, and so that <clears throat> and that gives you a good basis if you do trend analysis over time. It's going to give you a good basis of how how it looks, right? Because I would expect, especially that we're kind of where we are now, as as far as time wise goes, that that number's probably kind of stabilized now. So you know if I if I start doing that calculation day after day after day after day after day, that number's probably going to stay about the same day after day after day after day. Now, at the very beginning, it probably swung wildly mm -hmm. um, just because the numbers were and how they were reporting. And, you know, there was. Now, I do want to point out locally because we're at 192 fatalities, COVID and COVID related fatalities. The first 19, <clears> so literally the first 10% of all Montgomery County <clears> came from one facility, one senior living facility, uh, which is very close to my mother's. In fact, my, uh, my folks almost moved in that facility uh, because of, you know, one family went to go see grandpa before sure. the lockdown. Sure. And 19 people died as a result. So the full 10% came from one, and that was like right out coming out of the gate. That was in March sure. or April of 2020 when that went down. Sure. Yeah, and again, that's why, you know, this is like an overall view, right? Mm -hmm. So it yeah. doesn't break it down into a demographic or a specific location or a senior living facility or doesn't break any of that down. It just takes the whole and says, here's what the answer is. Mm -hmm. So I guarantee, you know, the way math works is if, if the overall is 1.22, then if you look at, you know, if you break it down into eight, either age groups or call, you know, comorbidities or, you know, pick some categories, you're going to find that those numbers change, right? So the number for the elderly is going to be higher, Absolutely. right? If you have comorbidities, it's going to be higher. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're younger and you're completely healthy and you have no comorbidities, that number is going to be probably a quite a bit lower, right? So the average, it's called the average amongst everything, uh, is, you know, what I told you, at least this today, mm -hmm. right? So, so I, you know, I, and do I, and I'd, I'd be curious to see what the numbers are in Harris County, right? Their, their deaths may, are going to be a lot higher, but again, their population is a lot higher. So, again, just looking at a number, if you say, well, we have 192 deaths and they have, I don't know how many they have, yeah, 2,500, that means nothing. It means, it means nothing, right, because it, it, the population is different. And so, you know, and yes, Montgomery County does have rural parts of the county, but, you know, and land-wise, we're pretty large, right? I think we're 1,100 square, mm -hmm. square miles, I think, if I recall correctly, the Montgomery County. So, it's land-wise, it's fairly big. The southern part of the county, I think, is much more 
urban. Mm -hmm. And then as you go north, I think it gets much more rural as you kind of move north. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but you have to look at it. I mean, if you look at, you know, the population, I mean, it's not like we're a totally tiny rural county. Oh, right no, now. absolutely not. We're the 11th not. largest county in Texas out of 254. And so. there have been, you know, we had, like I said, the, the Lobster Fest, the Cajun Conroe Catfish, where literally 10,000 plus people showed up. And of course, you know, the, uh, I don't want to, uh, I'm trying to find a nice way of saying chicken littlers, the naysayers out there were, oh, that's a super sparter event. 10,000 people sharing space, partying with, with bands, Lobster Festival, same thing. Uh, you know, I've put on two theatrical productions up here with hundreds of people in the audience too. Not a single fatality and certainly, uh, you know, the, the number to have 10,000 people in close quarters and there not be a corresponding spike in, in hospitalizations, ICU admissions or fatalities. Uh, so, I mean, obviously where I'm going with this is I'm on the side where uh, this virus, any virus is going to outlive any economy. The bubonic plague still exists <laughs> in this country. It's in the New Mexican mountains and, and elsewhere. Uh, so I'm for opening, being active, being smart about it. And again, just because just I do theater or, or put on productions or something, you know, we wear masks, we keep distances, sure. uh, we're safe enough. And, you know, i got to say, with the sheer number of people I see every day, I'm staggered I haven't gotten COVID yet. <laughs> but I think it kind of shows that, okay, just with maybe some common sense, <clears throat> it's, it's, I'm not saying I'm better off than anyone else, but I'm, you know, I'm not sneezing in anyone's open mouth and vice versa, so that's keeping it away. So how can we justify, and this is where I was mm -hmm. trying to get to, mm -hmm. just yet another, you know, we're going to shut down and everyone's going to have to wear a mask. And I thought, well, if we... Here's the thing, Montgomery County, people, a lot of people don't like to wear a mask, but we have the number low <clears throat> where we have other states or municipalities where wear a mask or you'll go to jail, and they've got COVID through the roof. Now, taking the science out that literally the space between fibers on a cloth mask is a thousand times wider than the actual virus molecule. So it, it, I know a lot of it's cosmetic. I'm not saying it's necessarily bad to have some cosmetic stuff. Sure. But, you know, taking off my, my belt at an airport will not keep the plane from coming down with a determined individual. But, you know what, if people feel a little safer, I can live with that. And that's a whole different topic. We can, we'll talk about the Patriot Act some other day. Well. But how can we justify it? And I know, I'm sorry, I kind of bogarted the conversation, so I'm going to turn it over to you now. Yeah, well, I, you know, I don't think anybody I know is, you know, for happy about a shutdown by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. I just don't feel anybody is. It's not like they go, oh, you know, I'm happy about this. I, I don't think they are. I mean, I'm somebody who uh, I understood why it happened at the beginning, for sure. The 15 days to... I, I mean, I understand why it, why it happened at the beginning because, mm -hmm. number one, there was no data. Right. There was no data to pull from. There was no... There was nothing. Um except the very immediate impacts of what it was happening on other parts of the world. And so, so I can certainly understand that. Um, I mean, I don't know if there was a choice, to be, to be honest with you, when it came to that. You can't ignore it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and how do you make a plan when you don't have any data to make a plan from? So you have to do something. Mm -hmm. and, and obviously, you know, the responsible thing is if you're going to make that decision, then you have to, you have, to have a plan in place to, to, I guess I'll call it, make, make things whole if you will. Um, so those things kind of went, hand, to me, go hand in hand. 
Um, if you're going to, you know, at the very beginning, they're going to shut things down. Well, okay, that's if that's the choice they're going to make for a certain part, period of time because they have no data to choose from and they can't do nothing. To me, that's a responsible thing to do, but there also needs to be a plan of, okay, how are we going to make sure that this disruption doesn't put us in a certain place? We have to have another, call it a relief package, whatever you want to call it, right? Mm -hmm. So there has to be some plan to accommodate that. But as obviously we start moving down the road and we get uh, data, and, and obviously America is a big country. Uh, states, localities are very different, and, and different things happen in different localities. And so nothing is, is going to be the same across the board. And I understand that. Uh, it's, it's hard for things to work when they're not the same across the board. I also understand that. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's because people are people. And so if you're in an area that, you know, is locked down, so to speak, uh, and you get a little uh, stir crazy, uh, and you can go somewhere where it's not that way, people tend to do that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and obviously that could cause problems as well, right? So, so how do you balance these things? Uh, I, I'm not going to claim I know the right answer to all of it. I absolutely don't. Um, I know for me, uh, and I've said this from the beginning, uh, that consistent messaging has been a huge problem on this whole topic in this country since day one. Um, and, and that, I think, has contributed to where we got to ultimately because there was not a consistent message. It doesn't have to come from the same person. But the messaging needs to be consistent, mm -hmm. and that is not what we had, which I think was a big contributor to the problems we, we've had with it. I think it's a big contributor to, uh, you know, why there's so much animosity around it. Um, I think if from the get-go, everyone would have just got together and said, we're going to say this, wear masks, wash your hands, social distance, and that was going to be toe the line. Uh, then but I, I think, cut in on I that think we would have had a lot less problems with this. With the lack of data, I mean, in March, we had the Surgeon General and Fauci saying, don't wear a mask, it won't do you any good, save the mask for the doctors. Um, and, you know, again, for the cloth mask, again, it's so cosmetic. I defy anyone telling me to wear a mask. Take your mask and go into a burning building or a chemical plant or spray paint and see what happens. It's, well... They don't work. I'll like say that. this. So, so again, this comes back to you know people have to being rational and 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 use their brains and actually think and and not be the blind leading the blind. Uh, you know, because what you talked about is exactly how science unfortunately works. They know certain things at a certain point of time <clears throat> with very limited data. They make a decision. As time moves on and they get more data, they learn more things, and it may change what they thought previously. And so that's where people have to go. Oh. Well, now that we have more data, and that's what should be explained, right? Well, then we thought this because of this, but now we have all this data, this data to back it up, and this is what we've seen, and here's the trends, and this is why now this is the approach we're going to take. And so people, that, that's how science works, mm -hmm. right? So, so you can't sit there and go, well, look what they said in March last year, because that is not how science works, because science is not black and white. Science doesn't work like that. And, certain things, right? The speed of light's the speed of light. It's black or white. Uh, understood. But when it comes to things like this, the data, the data moves mm -hmm. and they have to move on the data. They're going to put out what they know at the time, but as time goes on and more data is known and that thought process may change, which it did, right? So, you know, I wear my mask uh, when I go out and is it 100% perfect? No, it's not, but I guarantee it has an effect because we have data that proves that there's an effect from wearing masks. And it's, it's not data that shows you know, again, this is something where you want everybody to do it um, because 
by the way, it's not taking away your freedoms. You put your seatbelt on in your car if you're smart. Um, to me, it's the exact same thing. This is not about freedom of anything. Uh, it's about being smart and caring about your fellow citizen. Um, and, and if you don't think it works, so be it. You can, you can not think it works. Uh, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of people that do think it works, and it doesn't hurt anything to wear one. Um, and, and understood, there's you know people who have certain issues and they can't do it. I understand all the medical things. Mm -hmm. it's, again, it's not black or white, uh, but it's just a, such a simple thing. I mean, you know, for work, I've told you this before, I've, I've flown a lot during COVID, uh, taken a lot of trips to, to different cities and states, and uh, you know, I've been very fortunate. I have not gotten it either. <laughs> and as much as I've traveled, I'm a little surprised, uh, just as much as you may be with the number of people you see. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm very smart about what I do. Right. Right. So I'm very conscious of my space. I'm very conscious of my cleanliness. And I've always been a chronic hand washer anyway. Um, you know, and I just take precautions that I don't interact with certain people that I don't necessarily need to interact with. And, and so, you know, I, I found that for at least for me, that's worked. So, so again, to, to your back to your, you know, original point, um, you know, I'd be curious to see the numbers and doing the same math in, in Harris County, because I don't know that it would actually be different, mm -hmm. quite honestly, if I, if I crunch the numbers. Uh, I just don't know. I'd have to do it. Um, but, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I'm somebody who uh, I'm glad there's vaccines out there. I'm glad they worked, you know, as quickly as they did to, to get us to where we are. Uh, I'll be happier when, you know, more people get vaccinated and they're more readily available. I know they're certainly not available for me because <laughs> um, I will get it when I'm when I have the opportunity. Um, but I know that I will still take all the precautions that I've always taken, because like you said, I mean, it's not going to go anywhere. Just because we have a vaccine doesn't mean it's going to miraculously disappear. Mm -hmm. uh, it's still going to be there. It's just, um, you know, how, how people handle, you know, or get the vaccine. Because we all know there's a lot of anti-vaxxer people out there that are not going to do it. Um, so at some point in time, it's going to get them. As they're going to get it. Mm -hmm. I mean, at some point in time, um, you know, and hopefully by then we have, you know, certainly more treatments that are, you know, more effect, even more effective than they are now. So. Again, I think it's a hard question. You know, I, I've never been somebody that's, you know, for locking everything down. Uh, you know, we all understand the ramifications of, of what those things are. Uh, but we can't do, you know, to me, we can't do the opposite side of it either and just say open everything up and have no restrictions mm -hmm. on anything. That doesn't work either. Right. Right. There has to be a compromise in, in how we handle uh, these certain things. And, if, you know, and, and anyone who's smart knows uh, you kind of have to look at each physical location, even though you know in the back of your mind that there could be problems with those things, depending on this. Why I, talk, I think we talked about this before. It's about communication. Mm -hmm. You need to communicate with, you know, in this case, surrounding county governments and how they're handling things and, and just to make sure, right? Because, you know, if you go completely open and the other, your, your neighbor is not and those people get stir crazy, guess where they're going to go, right? And that could change things. Um, depending on how they handle it. So again, I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a matter of communicating. It's a matter of using the data. Uh, it's a matter of having a consistent message. Uh, and, and, and again, those are the things I think were really missed at the beginning. And, and uh, I, I think, certainly I think uh, in this county, we struggle with that to this day. Okay. 
Well, that's uh, the local segment of our broadcast today, talking about the legislature, what's on their agenda, as well as COVID in Montgomery County. I think we can agree, no easy answers no, on it. No easy answers. Um, everyone's kind of making this up as they go along. I am heartened by the relative low numbers. And, of course, that being said, any family that's been affected harshly by uh, COVID-19 Absolutely, all my thoughts and heart are with you. You know, when I take the numbers route, I hate to be that guy, but it, you know, numbers do play a part. Uh, you know, in a year, less than 200 have died from this related illnesses. In the same time frame, more than 2,000 have died in accidents on the road. I know suicides are up. At home, heart attacks have skyrocketed. This is Montgomery County, and unfortunately, Montgomery County already had a high suicide rate coming into this. And so there are secondary and tertiary ramifications to this that we we, we got to get this straightened out, I sure. feel. I don't disagree. Okay. Well, we're in the middle on that one where it's as magenta as can be. <laughs> now let's move on to something that I don't think there's going to be too much lilac at the end of this one. Of course, this is the follow-up and what's been happening this last week uh, with the storming of the 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 capital the united states capital jay i'll let you start this one off with any thoughts you may have well like i said uh last week when this started i thought i said it was a terrible day for democracy uh i still believe it was a terrible day for democracy i think the more we learn about it it's even a worse of a terrible day for democracy uh now, now how i mean how how when you say you learn more what have you learned that makes you go Democracy is dying today. I didn't say it was dying. Well, I just said it was a bad, bad, bad day. For, bad day, absolutely. I, I just said it was worse. a bad day for democracy, and it, and it absolutely was. Uh, you know, we, we see now that we had a president that, in my opinion, with the, what he has said, I mean, I th you know, words have consequences. And I've said that from day one. And here's somebody who's been perpetrating lies and propagating lies about the election uh, for weeks and weeks and weeks. Uh, here's a guy who held a rally, the the morning before all this happened, riling everybody up. I'm going to march with you down to the Capitol. You need to be strong. If we're weak, you'll lose your country. You now, need to be strong. In honesty, uh, you, if get, any you get Rudy Giuliani up there who's saying, uh, we are going to fight. Uh, and he wasn't sounding like, oh, you know, we're going to go have a peaceful protest. You know, again, words have consequences. But in And honesty, we're finding Jay, that. With any other president or presidential candidate said, we're going to march on Washington, we're going to fight this, you know, these are elections, because in that same breath, Trump's all saying, you know, we are going to fight this in the courts. So, I mean, he didn't say have fun storming the castles. He didn't say lock and load. Um, he doesn't have to. But if any he's other president has used those he's words. He's propagated lies so? for weeks. But, and people believe it. So? Why do you think all this stuff goes on on social media? What do you mean so? Because that's exactly how we end up where we ended up last Wednesday. Exactly how we ended up there. Because no one combats him. No one tries to correct him. He's completely wrong. And... And when I say no one, I'm talking about all of his sycophants that are in the leg that are in the the Congress that jumped right on his bandwagon. Ted Cruz, Hawley, uh, uh, McCarthy—is that his name? McCarthy, Kevin Kevin McCarthy, whatever his name is, for the majority leader in the House. All these guys are okay, on the same thing. Okay, that's one percent of Congress these, these, you just listed. Okay, so a, a hundred and seventy Republican representatives voted for the objection, which means they all agreed with him, which means they were all. Which is a constitutional the right. Story. There's nothing unconstitutional. But it was all based on lies because they all knew there was nothing about this election 
that was uh, uh, had any kind of um, fraud that would have changed the outcome of this election. None. Zero. And so they kept perpetrating lies because Trump kept going out there and saying, we won this. If Pence just goes out today and does what he's supposed to do as a patriot, we won this and we're going to show you. But they all know they didn't win it. It was all very clear. They counted, let's talk about Georgia. They counted the ballots three times in Georgia. They hand counted over 5 million ballots well, in they Georgia. Hand, they hand, there hand were, the same ballots. There were no discrepancies in, there was no fraud. So the second and third times they actually checked so, the signatures? So the point I'm trying to make here is, is that there was no fraud that would have changed any election. So with him going out there and saying, we won this, if they just... Why did he call the Secretary of State and say, find 11,800 votes for me? Find them, because I want it. In that same conversation, he pointed out all which, the perceived improprieties and said, from which, that, from all these improprieties, Which the Secretary of State 000? wrote a document to the White House and count, you know, countered every single one of them with facts. So again, it's all propagation of lies. Okay. And that has got us to where we've gotten. And so that's why they stormed the Capitol. That's lied. why five people, absolutely but he's I mean, lied. So, so a president lies and we Over storm, 30, and times. storm the castle because when a president lies. Yes, that's exactly what they did. Yeah, boy, how can this be the first time in a very long time the Capitol's been stormed where they were actually ushered in? Now, don't forget. That's an amazing question. There were the, well, that's my whole point. Now, last <laughs> week, if you remember me saying... In a few months, I feel the left are going to be in for a rude awakening when they realize they can no longer blame Trump. I think there's a desperation to hold on to blaming him for all the woes to carry this through in the next month. Oh, well, you know, we're not where we need to be because Trump was trying to be an insurrection. There are legal remedies. And and the Trump administration was pursuing legal remedies. Which were all shot down. Every single one of them. Except maybe two. Until it gets to the Supreme Court. It already went to the Supreme Court. Saying. They threw until, it out. Until something gets to the Supreme Court, that's the highest law of the land. And they threw it out. Right. So why was he continuing to propagate the lie? Sore loser. Okay. Guess what that led to? It, at what point can people start taking accountability for their actions? Like I said, presidents have lied. Politicians have rallied oh, I, up. I don't disagree. But... Politicians have lied on both sides. So what? They've done it. Uh huh. So why why must Trump be impeached again, and and why must he be twenty fifth amendmented out of the office? Oh, he should absolutely. Why? He's a threat to this country. How? Absolutely a threat to this country. How? As he continues to lie. Politician lies. Oh my God! News at eleven. As he he hasn't done his job since the election. Do we still have a country? Of course we have is a country. The, the country's, the country's is, not, the country's the not going to go away because the president's not doing his job. We haven't had a government shutdown in this administration, so what is not being well, done? Well, that's not true. No, oh, sorry. I meant in this latest round of the continuing resolutions, we haven't had any sequesters. Sorry, that was what I was At the end for. of this year, that's, that's a true statement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But again. How is it not being done? The job. Insurrection. Which is? Is a crime. Uh-huh. And when you incite insurrection, you don't have to do it. You, ha- you can incite it. That's a crime. So That's exactly what he did. That's beholder. exactly what Rudy Giuliani did. That's exactly what Don Jr. did. That morning. That's exactly what they did. Why have they not been arrested? 
because the FBI is actually currently doing an investigation. It doesn't mean they won't be arrested because well, they're doing it right now. Based on how quick they moved on certain laptops, I guess in the next two or three years we can expect an indictment. Could, could, could potentially be. Well, can't we just let the FBI and the <laughs> DOJ do their job then? Well, they that? are. Instead of so... But the, the Congress also has a responsibility. Mm-hmm. And they're taking that responsibility. Okay. And they can do what they want with their responsibility. Oh, and don't get me wrong. And it's going to have a vote. They're going to have a vote. If they and the want vote's going to be what it is. File articles of impeachment again. Abs- again, there are legal remedies to every aspect of this, which so that's what they've done. To be pursued. So we'll see what the outcome is. But it just staggers me, Jay, that. I mean, for the first time in living memory, you know how many advocates, Martin Luther King, if those words had come out of his mouth, it would be, yes, absolutely, be, uh, you know, no, the same because thing. They, they, Trump did not say, have fun storming the castle, boys. He did not say, you know, go kick in the doors. And if you see, you know, there are always idiots who hijack something else. Sure. I know people who were there marching and nothing happened. And you have these idiots who get ushered in. And pose for selfies. And then you have Schwarzenegger saying, this is Kristallnacht. I'll show you pictures of burning D.C. and Portland. That's friggin' Kristallnacht, my friend. Nazis did not pose for selfies when they were, you know, throwing thousands of Jews. Well, they weren't posing for photos uh, (laughs) with statues before they threw thousands of Jews in that one night into, into prison. So it's, again, this, I'll go chicken little. Oh, my God, insurrection, the sky's falling. He's going to take us all to the edge here. Where you have a guy, Mr. Moosehead, who I I don't know how Republican this dude is because he's refusing to eat non-organic food. I can't think of a single Republican that goes on a hunger strike until he gets organic food. So what I'm they can be out there. They can. Don't lump them everybody. Uh, in not a, everybody, in a group. but the I'm talking. You've seen the photos. They got their idiotic flags slung over their shoulders. They're posing with statues, and then they walked out. They walked out. Now horrible things happened. Five people died. A law enforcement officer was bludgeoned. Uh, with a fire extinguisher and died in the line of duty. And I hope the FBI, who sat on this, because you want to talk about insurrection, how about presidential candidates who said, you know what, go on and loot and riot, I'm going to pay your bail and get you back out on the streets. That is actively promoting violent behavior. Where's the uh, articles of impeachment on that? Yeah, I don't think that happened that way. Did not Kamala Harris say, we will pay your bail? No. Set up funds to pay? Not, Not for that. For, not for people that are going out and riding and looting. That's absolutely so not. So do they go, okay, yeah, you, but not you? We had violent offenders released that and that the very next day. Judges just letting them through. And what, I can, what I'd like to do is, is actually I'll bring in examples next time. Sure. Or if we get this on, you know, reminding our viewers here, um, we can put it in the comments section. We can. This episode, because uh, I hate throwing scenarios out there where I know I can back them up, but I don't have the numbers at my fingers. But there were cases where they were bailed out. And this is... Oh, I'm sure there were. Led by Kamala Harris. I'm sure she didn't bail them out, but... Okay. Um, There might have been activists that bailed them out. Okay. Well, well, here's the thing. There were online... Uh, the uh, the the crowdsourcing. But no one's no one's. Let me tell you something. So right if now. that's outright, let me, let me, let me that's tell you something right now. No one's, those pages still exist. No one on I Facebook. no one I know is going to advocate for somebody going out and rioting and looting. No one. Oh, I've, I've 
my friend, I got to tell you, this last week when I on my Skippy for President page, which started off as a as a goof page but became kind of serious, where I pointed something out, I dared to put a compare. Well, I, I was caught out saying, "How come you're not uh, outright decrying the the storming of the Capitol?" I'm like, of course I decry it. Once again, there are idiots who are hijacking it, much like I've been decrying everything since last May. And because I dared to hold some kind of comparison, where I said all. So civil unrest that causes danger to life, limb, and, and innocent uh, innocent lives and property, mm-hmm. I decried absolutely. Oh, suddenly there were mental gymnastics on, well, no, my riots are better than those riots because my... And I've actually gotten in some involved conversations about what makes it so different and or how this isn't quite censorship because of a b and c and like mental gymnastics are going on with the bailing out and this was done by politicians and i'll I'll tell you how high it went and online sources the same ones that are shutting down oh we can't have insurrection on facebook or twitter but they these same sites were holding uh where you could pay bail for these violent offenders to get out that day and do it again that's insurrection it's all stupid, but I just I really can't help but feel that this is for some people on the left, or and I'll, I'll throw some Republicans in there, those in the swamp who, when you have someone on the outside say, I'm going to get rid of the establishment, and you got a lot of establishment in your own party entrenched, and they're going to, they're going to, politics makes for strange bedfellows, <laughs> that all of a sudden now, only now is it, oh my God, we're all going to die. And and that's Jay. That's my problem with this whole scenario. Well, I, I think a lot of people probably have that problem with it. Um, you know, I I can tell you for me, I I know. I mean, I, I know who I am, right? So mm-hmm. I, I I can only speak for myself and and the people I talk to around me, um, as far as how I carry myself and and, and my thoughts on things. Uh, I can't control how other people feel about those things. But you know, when it comes to this, I can tell you, you know, what, what I saw was. In, in my perspective of what I saw that happened last Wednesday, you know, I saw these group of people, and I'm not saying they all were, because I've never said that. I mean, mm-hmm. I have people today on my Facebook, you know, yelling at me for saying all, you know, Republicans or, and I made it very clear that I'm specifically talking, because I called, I said spineless American Republicans. And, and specifically, the and spe- specifically annotated, it's that those people that continue to propagate Trump's lies. That's the group of people I'm talking about. I said, if you had nothing to do with it and you're not somebody that propagates his lies, then I'm not talking about you uh, because I don't lump everybody into to one group. But there are certainly those, uh, whether they're politicians or whether they're just Americans, that continue to propagate those lies, especially the lies about the election. Um, and, and that has riled people up uh, because continuing, continuing to say the election was stolen, the election was stolen, the election was stolen, the election wasn't stolen, he got your ass kicked. And he just can't deal with it because he's a crybaby. And I think most of us that are rational understand he's a big crybaby and he doesn't know how to handle that. His ego can't handle that. Uh, but at the end of the day, do I have any, you know, do I have any sympathy for, you know, a second articles of impeachment? Nope, because they're going to do what they're going to do. The Congress, they'll vote on it, and we'll see what the outcome is. So, so that's up to them. Um, you know, if I was Mike Pence, I'd probably be the angriest guy on the planet. I mean, here's a guy who went to do his job. Trump said, "Well, if he does the right thing, and he does this, and basically overturns the election, well, that was never in 
Pence's power to begin with, mm -hmm. not something he could have done. And then after after the Capitol had been stormed, Trump tweets about, oh, he's he's let us down and he's not doing his job and he could have done this. So that's when they mm -hmm. started that's when they started chanting hang Pence. Like that's a good thing Which to do. Which trended on Twitter for all of Friday. And so it was the number one trend on Twitter. So Twitter, so that's not survived. a good thing. And and then he never tried to contact him to see if he was okay or if his family was okay because most of his family was at the Capitol with him. That tells me something. That tells me completely something. Plus, he did nothing. He was watching it on TV and did nothing. Didn't try to send in the National Guard. It was till hours later he finally said, oh, please, peace, go home, we love you, kumbaya, which is a bunch of Tell me, what could he have, crap. what would he have done that the left would have said, hey, so, good move? So I'm not talking about what the left would have said would have been okay, a good move. Okay, that anyone would have I'm said. I'm talking about move. that I would have said had been a good move if he would have done something. But to say he did nothing, but if he'd done anything. He did nothing. But if he'd done anything. For hours. If he'd done anything. If immediately after it started, he would have called out the National Guard to put an end to it, that would have been something I would fascist. have given credit for. Fascist! He's a fascist! Yeah, he's not a fascist. No, that's what the cry he, would have been. Well, that would have come from the crazy, to the crazy right anyway. So who cares? These are the ones that end and, up on the news, and, though. And I'll be honest. Well, of course they are, because the stuff in the center never ends up on the news. It's mm. not newsworthy, right? Well, and okay, so, that's a and so I don't. Point. And I also have. And the last thing I'll say sure. is, I also have. I have no uh, tears in my eyes because uh, these uh, hot, these tech companies uh, have removed uh, Trump from Twitter. Should have done it long ago, in my opinion. Um, the parlors not being, you know, put on their. Uh, uh, being able to be on their network or whatever. So Parler's kind of gone right now. I have no problem with that either. And the reason I don't have a problem with it is because I love these arguments about the First Amendment. Well, those companies have no no obligation to give you a First Amendment. Oh, you be I, you better, I'm with you, you on You that better one. go do some research if you think that's the case. I'm absolutely with um, you on that one. And I felt the same way with Colin Kaepernick taking the knee. It's There's no First Amendment protection in the workplace, and I get that. However... Um, I believe there's a substantial SEC, Securities and Exchange Commission, and Fair Trade Commission monopoly standard here that I think is going to have to be addressed. Well, I, I'm not saying there isn't issues that have to be addressed with social media, these mm. social media platforms in general. Uh, but to use that particular argument as, you know, your argument of, oh, my gosh, uh, is a terrible one. You should probably go educate yourself some more on, on what the Yeah, and actually, that's, very, that's a very good is. point for those who are, are crying that out because – I hate it when the wrong argument is pursued, and I, I've been very vocal about that in the past, and I, and I will. It, to keep your eyes on the ball, there is no First Amendment protection in a, in a private work environment. Uh, however, when you have a publicly traded company and you are a monopoly, which is what happened with Mobile down the line and AT&T and, and others, when there are antitrust laws to keep you from being able to stop your competition from actually getting started, which is exactly what's from, happening from, from, right provi now. from providing competition. <laughs> yeah, which is exactly what's happening. So that's a topic for another time yeah. because I don't want to go to – I want to go down the rabbit hole. Yeah, it's not today. No, that's a good, and it's a good topic to talk um, about. But I think my buttonhole on this one, Jay, it's – if Trump's leaving anyways, and he's not going to get dragged out and so the Secret Service not going to have to shoot him or anything like that. And he's going to he's gonna pout. Okay, so I, I hate to take, like, the lawyer aspect, but I've been in courtrooms where I said, you know, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, my client is an idiot. He's a jerk. He's a bigot. He's a poopy head. And he's pond scum. But he's not a murderer. And that's the truth. 
you know, you can't, you know. Now, of course, character goes a long way, and I miss the days of good character just mm-hmm. in, in general. But to why the rush to impeach when literally probably couldn't happen before the 20th anyways? What's the what's the rush? Well, I think there's an ulterior. Is it to keep him from running again? Yes. So there is a fear that, okay, Biden won the world record of votes. I, how, 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 well, why would they fear it if, if he won so handily this well, time? Well, I, I look at it this way. You know, it's kind of a silly argument we're having because, not that it's an argument, quite frankly, but, <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, I look at it this way. If, if people think history can't repeat itself, you're foolish, right? And so, you know, if, if, if somebody's trying to take steps to, to make sure from a, certainly a legal standpoint that that's preventable, uh, then then so be it. They can they can try to do that if that's what if that's what they want to do. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that's really what it boils down to is that you know people can sit back all day and say, well, look at the difference here, and you know Biden won this and he won that. How's it ever going to be possible? Uh, again, to me, that's you know you're foolish if you if you think that way because you're foolish if you think history can never repeat itself uh, because history repeats itself over and over and over again, and and so. Uh, that's my, my stance on that, uh, when it comes to that. So I, I think that's where it is, you know, I mean, for, for me, I, you know, I, I look at the unfortunate, you know, this whole thing that happened last Wednesday, I look at the unfortunate circumstance that there's five people dead that didn't need to be dead. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certainly a few of them were, you know, medical, you know, like medical emergency related, but mm-hmm. those medical emergencies yeah, may not have happened if they weren't in the circumstance they were in. Well, you never know, but the, I'm just the, saying. The one that stands out to um, me is a law enforcement officer doing his job, and I'm sorry that the Air Force lady got shot in the face, but if you're storming a federal property illegally and doing an illegal act and the responding force is the authority to respond with extreme prejudice and deadly force, then I'm not saying you deserve what you got, but there, you know that was properly done but the uh the law enforcement officer who was bludgeoned with a a fire extinguisher um and my heart bleeds when i was having these discussions pointing out that at least 25 people had died with the light rioting and the looting in mm-hmm. portland and elsewhere oh yeah but those were you know those were pretty no the law and retired law enforcement officers died you know, a lot of people died it's all bad it is okay you know the first amendment if you want to talk about it it provides for peaceful <laughs> assembly and unfortunately, when you have media with the city burning behind you going, well, the peaceful protesting intensified. No, that that is not that. Uh, I don't want to have the last word on this. I'm going to, on this topic, so I'll leave it to you. Well, I, I, I am just, you know, I, I'll be really interested to see, and I know we're not going to see it for a long time, is, is, is what actually comes out of the investigations that mm-hmm. go into, you know, how this occurred, what, you know, what groups had a, had a hand in it, what kind of groups, you know, may have coordinated together to... To deal with these, I mean, a lot of these people that have been arrested already are not like unknowns to the protesting world, especially on the on the pro-Trump trust protesting side. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are not unknown to authorities of, of who they are in different places of the country that they've showed up. So, uh, I'm going to be very interested to see how that comes out. I know, uh, you know, they've already they got like 170 active cases, which is a pretty small number right now. Um, even though it's only a, you know it's only a week out, not even a week from there, they've already arrested almost eighty people and charged them. Um, you know, uh, it, it's going to be very interesting to see. I, I certainly hope they bring to justice whoever you know killed uh, the Capitol officer, uh, because obviously you know that obviously doesn't need to happen. Mm-hmm. And and talk about tarnishing a you know certainly a, a political side's kind of record and what they stand for. 
here you have you know people that were all about that side of the aisle and here they kill a police officer when they're all usually typically oh, pro law enforcement and listen to them and it certainly doesn't help their cause uh, for that case and again not everyone's wrapped into a single thing but you know just that visual uh, doesn't certainly doesn't help um, the argument right so so I'm gonna be very interested to see that um, I certainly hope I never see anything like that again in my life uh, I, I, I suspect I, I suspect I won't but again uh, I'm not foolish enough to think history can't repeat itself. Um, but anyway, that's where I am on that. All right. Well, there you go. We uh, survived the <clears throat> segment on the <laughs> Capitol storming relatively unscathed here. <laughs> We've now entered the part of the broadcast, which I like to call, What's Going to Kill Us This Week? And what's going to kill us this week, of course, is the president having ac- having access to the nuclear codes. If you want to talk about an attempted coup, look at House Speaker Nancy <clears throat> Pelosi, who actually petitioned the Joint Chiefs to give her the nuclear codes, to take the nuclear football away from President Trump. Now, Jay, you served in the military. I did. And so I think you know what's what. I think, and I grew up in a military family, so we can watch movies like Crimson Tide or Grey Lady Down and, and mm-hmm. know a lot of it's a nod and a wink with Hollywood. I love it when everything's mm-hmm. at DEFCON 1 because DEFCON 1 is the biggest piece there is. DEFCON 4 is the one you got to worry about. Movies take that backwards. Um, there is no, you know, briefcase with the handprint and four-digit code or the you know swipe the card to launch the nuclear weapons it doesn't work that way and the joint chiefs even pointed out we don't even know why she came to us because that's not how it works there are lawyers in the room you know the president has the final say on a nuclear launch but certainly not the only say the only say in other words if he's the only one in the room saying i'm going to launch weapons believe me there are 42 people with sidearms who will take care of the problem right away. So, um, but that being said, it was most important for House Speaker Pelosi to throw words around and again, had, I'm trying to, unhinged is the, you know, because a president lies. Oh my gosh. Um, So it's a good thing that she attempted a coup to keep the nuclear codes because, God knows I'd rather they be in Nancy Pelosi's hands. <laughs> yes, I'm being highly sarcastic here. Uh, Jay, any thoughts on that, or are you just going to let me run away with that no, one? I, I, okay. I really, I, I understand how the military works and, and how things like launching nuclear weapons works. And, right, right. You know, one guy doesn't, you know, pull out his uh, little credit card. Don't sw- take my nuclear code card there, Jay. Oh, my gosh, you could have launched ICBMs to Russia. Works. Uh, so that's the first part of what's going to kill us this week. Now on to the second part, what is no longer killing us. And what's no longer killing us, I am glad to say, is all of our national enemies. That's right, our foreign enemies. The Kim Jong-uns, the Ayatollah Khamenei, uh, communist China. They're, according to Twitter and Facebook, they can say anything they want to their heart's content because they're our friends now. Uh, they're they're not killing us anymore. Uh, remember when we were just going to go to World War Three uh, between Trump and, and Rocket Man, our favorite whack job, King John, Kim Jong Un. Uh, yet, you know, fortunately, didn't happen thanks to the bravery of Nancy Pelosi and the aforementioned nuclear codes. To where they're not going to kill us anymore. They're free to roam freely and say whatever they want on any social media platform. Well played, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Everyone else involved with this. They're not friends of mine. I don't know. Okay. Uh, (laughs) That's what we have. Uh, So, yeah, that's what's not going to kill us. Uh, 
that's no longer killing us. Can't wait for next week. We will be back next week to talk about even more stuff. I'd like to go into details on maybe what the state legislature has has accomplished or not, because I'm all about them not accomplishing. Yeah, I, like I said, I'm not expecting a whole lot, uh, just because I know this first month is typically slow. But we'll we'll keep an eyeball on them because we know how the legislature works, right? Mm-hmm. They start out slow like molasses, and you feel like nothing's getting done, and then we get to like. Uh, April and May, and it's like 24-7. It doesn't stop. They don't go home. They don't sleep because they have so much to do. And they it's like they do nothing the first, you know, Sounds like every months. theatrical production I've ever been involved with in my entire life. But we'll keep up with them, so we'll see. There we go. And if we keep up with our shooting schedule, we will be recording next week's episode the day before Inauguration Day. Um, now, we may want to push it back a day. And see what's going on. We'll, we'll play this one by ear. But in the meantime, we've reached the end of the show, which means oh. it's time for us to crack open a drink because it's important to us here at Purple Politics that the red and the blue can discuss some heady and heavy topics and still cheers. Crack, a, cheers, crack a drink afterwards with a non-sponsoring soda or beer. That's right. And, uh, <laughs> you know, life goes on. The conversation continues. We'd love to hear your take on the we want your thoughts it's not we'd like to we want them please drop in the comments or send an email to shows at woodlandsonline.com uh we're here every week for purple politics i'm sean thompson i'm jay stittleberg have a great week